Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 146. And when we go. Step up to the break, we got MJP and Green Man and Sabrina Jimping and Chip Team. From my land to Japan and everywhere in between. Get the up to date news on the wrestling scene. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We are about to go live, but you're ready to rock. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? From the fans to the fans, let me hit the crowd. Pop, so take a shot. Oh, yeah. So take a shot. Oh, so take a shot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host, at Michael J. Putty. We have a great show for you this week. We got the voice of BCW via Skype, Pete Rosado. Welcome back to the show. Pete, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Putty. It is, I'm doing well. There are two places that I call home. One of it is behind the microphone for BCW, and the other is behind the microphone for A Shot of Wrestling. So I'm glad to be back. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, get this, let's get this show on the road. So let's start the show like we always do with this week's wrestling replay. This week, WrestleMania X7, April 1st, 2001, Reliant Astrodome, Houston, Texas, in front of a crowd of 67,925. Chris Jericho defeated William Regal to retain the Intercontinental Championship in 7 minutes, 8 seconds. Taz and the APA defeated my boys, the right to censor, in 3 minutes, 52 seconds. Kane defeated Raven and the Big Show to win the Hardcore Championship in 9 minutes, 17 seconds. Eddie Guerrero defeated Tess to win the European Championship in 8 minutes, 30 seconds. Kurt Angle defeated the man who should not be named in 14 minutes, 4 seconds. China defeated Ivory to win the Women's Championship in 2 minutes, 39 seconds. 2 minutes, 39 seconds. That's crazy. Shane McMahon defeated Mr. McMahon in a street fight with Mick Foley as a special guest referee in 14 minutes, 12 seconds. And of course, Edge and Christian defeated the Dudleys and the Hardys in a tables, ladders, chairs match to win the Tag Team Championships in 15 minutes, 47 seconds. The Iron Sheik won by last eliminating Hillbilly Jim in the gimmick Battle Royal in 3 minutes, 7 seconds. The Undertaker defeated Triple H in 18 minutes, 19 seconds. And in your main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated The Rock in a no-DQ match to win the WWF Championship in 28 minutes, 8 seconds. That's WrestleMania 17 in a nutshell. Now, Pete, did you, did you watch WrestleMania 17 live when it aired? I did. I did. And you missed one of the most important matches. Did I? You know, back, you know, nowadays, we're so lucky. We have the WWE pre-shows before every every big pay-per-view and things like that. Back in the day, the WWE would always show the first match of the pay-per-view live exclusively on Sunday Night Heat live on the USA Network. And that night... Okay, X-Factor, Just Incredible and X-Pac, defeated Grandmaster Sexay and Steve Blackman in a great tag team match uh, that was 2 minutes and 46 seconds, so almost beat that China Ivory match. Wow. I know WrestleMania 17, one of the best WrestleManias. I mean, that stretch of WrestleManias with Steve Austin and The Rock being at the absolute top of their game and the top of the WWE echelon there you know kind of seeing the evolution no pun intended of triple h as he was moving up through the ranks to what he now is today and also seeing that beautiful nexus that was edge and christian the dudleys the hardys 
um, in, in that name they were making for themselves and name for they were making for the tag team division, which unfortunately isn't being carried on as importantly today. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just I just want to say the reason why WrestleMania 17 so important to me, I lost money on that WrestleMania because oh, right. I had I had money on the gobbledygooker winning that gimmick battle royal. That's, and, that's uh, a fair bet. I think it was an odds-on favorite in that one. Yeah. You know, but a great thing about that, you know, um, Bobby Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund did commentary special for that uh, gimmick battle royal, and it was just great to hear Bobby Heenan back in commentary. I think that was the last, last time. Last time, yeah. I, I believe that was the last time Bobby Heenan, uh, who's a big idol of mine, uh, Bobby Heenan did commentary uh, for any company, uh, let alone the WWE. So to think back and, and to know that that was the last time we got to hear Bobby Heenan's voice in, in all of its glory. Uh, it makes WrestleMania 17 very special. Well, not only is it special because of that, I was doing some research, and of course, I remember watching 17 live. I remember bits and pieces of it, but I wasn't aware of this. The event is critically acclaimed by critics and fans both. You know, it's very hard to get fans and critics to agree on something, but it is regarded as one of the best professional wrestling pay-per-views of all time. Not WWE pay-per-views, professional wrestling pay-per-views of all time. Number one, WrestleMania 17. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at almost almost 68,000 fans. When you look at that WrestleMania, you're talking about Chris Jericho kind of on that rise. I mean, you're talking about the WWF at the time, but the WWE Intercontinental Championship back when it was still really, really hotly contested. William Regal, a man who many people believe you know, could have had a slight run as the WWE Champion for a short amount of time. Taz, when he was still running with the WWE as a professional wrestler, Let's cut you off uh, real, the APA. To cut you off real quick, I'm, I'm a little late on the timing on the show because I was distracted by the Chris Jericho William Regal match. That was a great match, so I didn't start recording oh, yet because I was too distracted by watching this clinic in the ring. It was a fantastic match. Oh yeah, I mean those two guys. I mean, killed it. Yeah, really, definitely. Um, you know, people don't realize how great William Regal was. Very underrated. Um, yeah. And and you look at Chris, you know, it's funny. You mention the uh, China Ivory match that went what two minutes and forty six, uh, two minutes and thirty nine seconds. Yep. Funny thing is, one of my favorite matches of all time is a two minute match. Which one? William Regal versus Daniel Bryan, season one of NXT. Back when it was a, a, a gimmick show, um, you know, back when it was oh, you know, rookies and pros, um, and Daniel Bryan was obviously the the rookie for the Miz. And uh, William Regal, oddly enough, the pro for the man who later became Ryback. Um, That's right, yeah. And they had a two-minute match, Daniel Bryan versus William Regal. And it's probably one of the best matches I've ever seen. Uh, You know, no disrespect to everyone. But WrestleMania 17, I mean, when you look at just top to bottom, all the names on that show. And here's another thing. Outside of the gimmick battle royal, Michael J. Putty, not a single person on that card was a part-timer. Yeah, that's right. No one was brought in for anything. No one was brought in just to work a WrestleMania angle. Outside of the gimmick Battle Royal, everyone who was on that show was a full-time talent of the WWE and was involved in some kind of coherent, logical storyline that led to WrestleMania. So I guess you call that the good old days. Yeah, basically. Now, fun fact, I'm a big numbers guy. I love numbers. The go-home show for this WrestleMania was the Raw where Shane announced... He purchased WCW in the iconic simulcast of Raw and Nitro. So it was only six days later, now we have WrestleMania X7. What a great build to that. Yep. But I was wondering, do you remember how much WCW was sold for? I do not. 
Neither did I, so I broke it down. Uh, AOL Time Warner sold the copyrights for WCW's name to the WF and the, the McMahon family for $2.5 million. And shortly after that, the McMahons bought the entire WCW library for an additional $1.7 million, bringing the total cost that the WWF paid for WCW $4.2 million. That's a very low number, in my opinion, no? Very low number, considering... Considering everything, but I think at that point, I mean, Vince McMahon, I mean, for all the discredit that most people give him, very, very smart businessman and knows oh, exactly smart. what to do in terms of, you know, buying out other companies and things like that. But if you ask me how much the money would I have guessed they would have paid, it wouldn't be the single digits of millions. I figured maybe like a hundred million, a couple hundred million. It was 4.2 million overall. That's crazy. But that's the first minute. X7, one of the best pay-per-views of all time, so definitely check it out if you've missed it. But another great time was two weeks ago, Russell Cade, you went down to the uh, Carolinas. I did, I did, I did. And you saw Azrael tried to win back his championship against Darius Carter. How was that weekend in a nutshell? Oh, man, Russell Cade weekend was incredible, man. First off, let me give a huge the team at AML for their uh, their hospitality you know, bringing, allowing BCW to defend the, the World Heavyweight Championship at, at Showcase of Champions was a great honor. But showing us some great hospitality, having us around, uh, involved in the Fan Fest on Saturday, and uh, uh, allowing us to be there for the Super Show on Saturday night. Uh, and then obviously the doors were open to us on Sunday as well, though uh, I know many of us had to leave to come back to New York. Um, so thanks to them for their hospitality, but it was an incredible, incredible show, man. I mean, Showcase of Champions on Friday night is incredible. You're seeing a whole bunch of different companies come together. Uh, each one, each match, every single match at Showcase of Champions, a championship was defended. So an incredible night there. Saturday, all about the fans from about 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. The huge fan fest set up in this beautiful hall. Great setup as well. You know, we go to the big event almost every year, and as good as the big event is, I mean, WrestleCade, the way that they set up their room, the space that they have, so much better, easier to walk through. Even when there were lines at tables, Putty, you could walk through the aisles and not feel like you were trying to cut in any line. Oh, that's good. Incredible lineup of guests. I think one of the greatest things that I got to do, uh, I had to have a moment where I had to kind of go into fan mode for a second. They had a table where you could actually wear uh, one of two, or both if you wanted, authentic, actual Ric Flair robes. Oh, shit, nice, okay. One of them was, I believe, from what, a match that he had with Ricky Steamboat, I think either in the NWA or WCW, and then one of them was the uh, the robe that he wore at Mania when he fought The Undertaker. Really? Yes, the gold and, uh, the, the gold and red I feel uh, the robe most... that he... One of the most iconic robes is Ric Flair's blue and white from the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 24, the retirement match. Yes. Uh, though I will say, if you want to talk about a blue and white robe, let's talk about the robe that's usually shown in the in the uh, throwback sequences of Ric Flair when he was in the NWA. Yeah. But uh, you got to actually wear uh, one or both of Ric Flair's robes, take as many pictures as you wanted in it, uh, and they also had for you to hold, uh, if you wanted to in the pictures, both Ric Flair's actual original NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, and also Ric Flair's 10 pounds, I don't want to say 10 pounds, but the original big gold belt yeah, yeah. of Ric Flair's. Did you do that? I didn't, I didn't see any pictures posted on your social media. I, I have 
I haven't put up any pictures. I try to be, you know, because I'm part of the professional realm in wrestling, uh, I, I try not to uh, divulge too much of my fandom on social media uh, at times. But I do have pictures uh, with one of the robes. I will tell you, mighty affordable as well. For, oh. To wear one robe was twenty five dollars. Oh, to wear shit, both yeah. robe, to wear both robes was forty. Wow, that's not, that's not bad at all. One of the greatest things about WrestleCade, Michael J. Putty, was the parking situation. Okay. There was a huge indoor parking lot across the street from the uh, the convention center. Uh, all day parking was two dollars. Wow, was it good being the Carolinas? Yeah, and, you know, there's there's something to be said for the laid backness of the Carolinas. Because you know, if it was uh, in it New sucks. York, this WrestleMania, the chance to wear Ric Flair robe, it would not be forty dollars. No, yeah, no, and and I think that's the sad part, you know. Um, I don't want to say it's the market, but I think part of it is the market because I think even yeah. if it wasn't like a WWE branded event, if WrestleCade were to happen in a place like New York, the overhead costs exactly. would be so high that the prices that would have to be charged in order for the company to make a uh, would have to be so high. And I think that ends up being the problem that um, because the overhead costs in New York City are so high that it causes – uh, the fan experience to be lessened because the prices have to be driven up. But met some great people, met Ultimate Dragon, uh, got to finally meet Summer Ray. you know, saw saw Jack, uh, Jake Hager, uh, formerly known as Jack Swagger again, was able to hang out and spend some time with Glacier again. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller was there. Did they remember uh, the, you from the BCW times or were they do? Good? They do. Oh, okay, it's cool. Yeah, Glacier remembered me being face down after uh, getting a okay. All right. you know, four, four closures from Darius Carter. But it was an incredible weekend, and like you said in the very beginning, uh, even more incredible the fact getting to watch Azriel versus Darius Carter on a stage like WrestleCade. Uh, Darius Carter did once again defeat Azriel and once again left as the BCW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, so we'll have to see how that all plays out once BCW returns uh, in January and then moving on forward in 2019. Now, quickly, there's... You know, there's literally probably hundreds of independent promotions across the country here. Yes. So for BCW to be one of the limited promotions to be promoted in this championship showcase, that's a big fucking deal. Yeah, there were eight matches that night at Showcase of Champions, eight matches. Uh, Three of them were AML title matches, one of them being the AML Prestige Championship, one of them being the AML Tag Team Championships, and another one being the AML Heavyweight Championship. So when you're talking about, there were only five other companies that took part in that show. That's insane. Um, BCW being one of them, uh, Battle Club Pro uh, being another one, NGW, uh, Next Generation Wrestling, which of course, like I said, had Matt Cross and Shane Strickland on the show, Uh, WCPW, I believe, West Coast Professional Wrestling, which I believe is uh, operated by D'Lo Brown, former WWE superstar. Uh, His promotion was, was there. So... And I believe there was maybe one other promotion or two, uh, but but southern uh, southern state promotions. So uh, yeah, really big deal for us to be on that show. Now, one of my problems, well documented on the show when I first started getting into the indie promotions, was there's no storyline, there's no characters, there's no connection. Why why do I care? Right. So was there an explanation as to why Darius Carter was going against Azrael, or was this match going on for the championship? Was there a back- uh, well, yeah. Was the backstory down there, explained? Not down there. I mean, obviously on our social media and all of our social media platforms, everything was kind of explained. Yeah. WrestleCade really is the big convention. So a lot of the matches that were happening, like, for example, Billy Brash 
defended his AML Prestige Championship against Luchasaurus, right? And it's kind of just, hey, this is a night where all the championships are going to be defended. Uh, we're going to have big name matches the whole night, right? Okay. So not really a lot of storyline that goes into it. It's just the um, art of wrestling. Right. Okay. Um, you know, we had a storyline match set up uh, going into that night. Uh, the the storyline, I don't want to say it was set up, but the storyline was was so that that match happened. Um, had Azriel retained the World Championship at a cold day in hell, we probably would have seen a much different match. You probably would have seen... Azriel versus Jack, uh, maybe a, a, a rematch against Jack Swagger. Maybe you would have seen Azriel versus um, someone like Ultimo Dragon. Maybe you would have seen Azriel versus Eli Drake or someone like that. Maybe you would have seen Azriel versus NWA's World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis. We don't know what could have happened, right? But that night you got to see Darius and Azriel. If we're invited back to WrestleCade next year, who knows what match we will be able to put on that night. Though I will say, I would like to see the BCW World Heavyweight Champion face off against a big-name star on WrestleCade. You know, but there's two types of indie promotions, Michael J. Putty. There's the indie promotions that are just going to do the big matches that don't have any storyline attached to them. Yes. And there's going to be independent promotions that attempt to do storylines. I think in the market that we're in in the Northeast, you see less and less promotions doing storyline matches unless... They have a built-in nexus of talent, usually a wrestling promotion that's attached to a school, so they have a large plethora of in-house talent True. and things like that. Usually smaller promotions, uh, more hyper-local, are doing storyline matches. But you're seeing more and more that more and more promotions are doing just big matches. The matches to get the buzz. And there's, no, there's not a problem with that. I mean, I, I understand the delicate balance between the two. I know that at BCW, we've tried to find a balance between the two as well, but it's tough. It really is tough because we don't have the content distribution ability of a WWE where you can do a storyline. And we're also not, we don't have a show every week. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have a show every month. Some independent promotions run one every two months, maybe one every three months, depending on the promotion. And it's a lot harder to do a storyline when, you know, you're not coming back for three months and your fans aren't going to remember what happened, you know. So I understand both both sides to it. One name you did not mention was the former tag team champion, former member of LAX, Homicide. Well, Homicide sat down with Green Man this week for an exclusive interview. Woo! So make sure you check out our YouTube channel, A Shot of Wrestling, for the full, unedited, exclusive interview with Homicide. I've heard the interview in full. You do not want to miss this. But here, I can imagine. Here's just a sample to what your appetite of Green Man going against Homicide. So Green Man, take it away. Family, welcome to another exciting edition of A Shot of Wrestling, The Interviews. If you haven't done so already, follow us on all forms of social media at A Shot of Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram and Shot of Wrestling, no A on Twitter. You can also contact us via email at inbox at a shot of wrestling.com or dial it up 
619-343-3005 and leave your comments on a shot of wrestling hotline now we say it time and time again that wrestling brings us together and today is no different today i am blessed to have in the studio the notorious 187 homicide how are you brother and welcome to a shot of wrestling What's up, man? Thank you for having me for your show. And now, the last time we actually bumped into each other was at an ICW event in Queens, New York, and we sparked a conversation about your journey in pro wrestling. It has not been an easy one, and you've mentioned to me that pro wrestling essentially saved your life. Fill everybody in on what that meant. What does that mean, mm-hmm. it saved your life? Well... Uh, of course, uh, everybody goes through it. Like when I was a kid, when I was five years old, um, the first thing that I seen was a match. At the time, it was Channel Five, twelve o'clock, New York City, and it was uh, a replay of WrestleMania Two. It was the British Bulldog versus Valentine. Just that match itself, I just fell in love. Then after that, time flies and everything. I was hanging out with shot callers, you know, gang bangers and everything. I was not concentrating on education i was in the streets i always wanted to be you know the ballers out there i want to become a baseball player i had a scholarship i messed that up but pro wrestling came to me and i took that to another level i was remember um i was part of a crew and the boss of the crew was telling me yo i want you to achieve your dreams i want i want you to achieve your goals because i don't want nobody from the streets still gambang and everything and i started to you know do my little pay my dues all over brooklyn went to new york city after that jersey philly indiana then i just took off i travel all over the world and it kind of saved me, man, because if I wasn't uh, focusing on pro wrestling, I would be in the streets, get locked up, be a Rikers Island, doing bad stuff. All right. Well, next question. Uh, what is the worst job you've ever had? I never had a job. It'd be pro wrestling. Oh, wow. I had a, yeah, I'm lucky, man. I'm very lucky. Um, telling people, man, I, be, I did everything except WWF. And people would be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I want those cats, like, they realize and <laughs> to, to the end, like, what I did and accomplished. But, yeah, man, pro wrestling, if you, th- if you think about it, that was my first and only job I had. Awesome. Uh, who's your celebrity crush? Whew. Man, I like Pawn Sauce. All right. I don't know why. <laughs> do, you, do you know any of their names? Well... Of course, I'm hood, man, and I love every race. I give four: um, Jasmine, Cashmere, Tia Sweets. Um, the other one is right now is Luna Star, who's like the Brock Lesnar of porn. I mm. mean, she's the next big thing. It's Luna Star, and this one, the other one is Sarah J because I like milfs. But if we want to talk about like. The PG-13, the soft, you know, whatever. Man, that's hard, bro. That's very hard. Uh, I got I to gotta say that chick. I forgot her name is, man. That She's a blue chick from uh, that, that, that comic book movie. I forgot her name, but she dressed up blue. Oh, the, Gadi- the Guardians of Galaxy, the only female in, in, in the team. I forgot her mm. name, but... 
she's she's hot. She's escaping my 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 mind right now. But if anybody remembers, just dial it up six one nine three four three zero zero five. Exactly. Just watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Hit his green yo blue girl. I, that's her name. I don't know, but how much do you tip for a lap dance? Oh, I used to be like Al Bundy in the strip clubs. I used to be addictive. I used to spend like thousand dollars every day. Damn. And I noticed, yeah, but it was it was bad. I had addiction. And I was all over in New York City, all over Florida, all over West Virginia, Texas. I was back. And after I, I kinda woke up like, Wow, why am I giving these bitches some money? Get out of here, they're using me. <laughs> I mean, I had a couple of great nights, but still though, it was very, very bad. So right now, I'm cool, man. I think I grew off for that and I got the real deal back home right now. Uh, where is the shittiest place you've ever wrestled? To me, I never had a shitty place, but to me it was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be a bad day, but it became gold. It was the IWA Midwest. It was in 2004, they did King of Death matches. It was a, a two-day a two day show. And I always remember it was myself, Matt Stryker, and Big Bayless. We go to, uh, I think it was Indiana. And, man, it, it, it felt like uh, a KKK rally. This is the first time that I, I witnessed people like Neko Butcher, Cobra Robinson, even Chris Hero. And it was bad. I'm talking about they had like a... Like some kind of a bottle, like a pan, people would be shitting on, on the corner of the locker room. It was bad, but after that, man, it became good. Everybody was so cool, good vibes. But I think it was more like in the end, it was more the crappiest place I've been wrestled. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we're as we're wrapping up, um, we have 2018 is starting to wrap up. 2019 is on the horizon. How do you think 2018 was for you? Man, it was. It was good, and it was bad. It's like fifty-fifty, you know. It was one of those. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it was weird. It was one of those struggles. Like I'm gonna keep pushing forward. I'm hurt, but I'm gonna keep pushing forward. You know, um, I w- uh, it could have been better, in my opinion. 2018, it could have been way better with Impact Wrestling. As for 2018, it could kiss my ass, but it was okay. <laughs> Um, I feel I am getting burned burned out. Like, I'm burning. I need to relax. I had surgery in my shoulder, and I took, like, 14 months off. I think it was not enough, you know. And uh, I just deal with a lot of crap when it comes to politics and wrestling and why nobody's making this kind of dollar. It could have been better. I'm dealing with the mental stage right now, not the physical. I never said that I want to retire because, you know, I always talk like, yeah, I'm done, and I always come back. But it's going to be a time that everybody's going to know, like, man, we didn't see homicide for a month. That's how you know, like, I would say taking a break. That That's the perfect word. So I would take a break, but there's not going to be uh, a break. Like, you never know what's going to happen afterwards. He could be a coach, and you if you become a coach, you got to retire. That's the one thing I do know. Yeah, man, but keep doing your thing. Keep building on the future, uh, you know, with the compound, with hopefully down the line NXT to continue to build the future of wrestling. Uh, I appreciate you for that and for everything you've done for this business. And as a fan, thank you for joining us on A Shot of Wrestling. If we wanted to follow you on this journey into 2019, give us your social media. How could we uh, follow this journey? 
Oh, yeah. So I'm, of course, I'm on my Instagram, um, side, like homicide, side, I love 5150. Uh, Facebook, I go by my real name is D Arazo. That's D E E Arazo E R A Z O. I think I'm the only guy who got no Twitter in this planet. So I got no Twitter. I, do, I suck I'm at Twitter. Loose. I suck at it. Yeah. I'm not very big on social network. You know, I get people to tell me I got those two. Of course, uh, information for the compound wrestling gave me up. Or you can go to GameChangerWrestlingYahoo.com or go to the Twitter, the page, or, or, or anything that is about Game Changer or anything about compound. You can hit them up. Or you need any information, you can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, thank you very much for joining us in a shot of wrestling. I kind of feel like I know you even more after this just small little segment. Oh, dude, I'm like I always tell people, man, uh, and I gotta give a big shout out to everyone, even my students, to be like, oh, I bought homicide videos. I, 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 you're my idol. I'm just that dude from the street. I'm, I'm just like everybody. I just came from the gutter. I'm very lucky where I came from. I never forget where I came from. I make sure that I let people know what's up, you know? I don't let no ego get to me. Awesome, brother. Thanks. All right. This is Notorious 7, the land Frank White, homicide, and you're listening to the Shock of Wrestling. It's in the news with Michael J. Putty. Alright, just finished watching Test. You know, Test is a very underrated wrestler. I mean I was a big Test fan as a kid. Test was awesome. Test was great. I mean, a lot of people don't realize how great he was as a big man. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh that you bring up Test, uh, and I know I know we're about to get into the news segment of of today's uh shot of wrestling. Uh, but you bring up Test and it just so happens, you know, tonight it's it's Saturday night. I mean, this will go out a couple of days, uh, about a day or two later. But it is currently a Saturday night. Earlier tonight, uh, tr- uh, tragedy, thankfully, uh, from what we're hearing, everything is okay so far. But another big man in big cast apparently suffering a, a seizure during intermission at the House of Hardcore Shorts oh, show shit, tonight yeah. in, Phil- in, in, in Philadelphia. Apparently was meeting with fans and apparently suffered a seizure. Uh, thankfully, they were able to get him into an ambulance and being done by paramedics. And I know that uh, he was supposed to, I believe, perform in the second half of that show. And Tommy Dreamer came out and told the fans to say a prayer to Big Cass. But mentioning Tess just kind of mentioned that to me. It was kind of a jarring report to get earlier tonight. Uh, but just glad to hear, at least from the news we've gotten so far, that Big Cass is okay. Breaking news. I've not heard that. Yeah, from what we've heard so far... You know, from what we've heard so far, um, you know, like I said, he suffered the seizure during uh, intermission, was at his merch table and around his merch table, uh, and, and then was being, you know, was uh, transported by paramedics and checked on by medical professionals. So that's really all the news that's come out so far. You know, bringing up test made me think of that that news from earlier tonight. Yeah, just checking it out now. There's a picture of him on the floor of the EMTs. That's, that's uh, very creepy. Yeah, I think the most vile thing, though, Jay Putty, the fact that instead of fans rushing his aid, there were people pulling out phones to record it. What's well, the age we live in, though? But you know, it's all about the photos. And if the, I'd have been, if I, if I'd been there, Michael J. Putty, I probably would have punched that fan in the face. You should have. I mean, I would not even think about taking my phone out. You know, because how dare you? Because like, if de- you're going to take your phone out in that situation, right? If you're going to take your phone out in that situation, it better be to call nine one one. Exactly. 
but they don't. It's all about the picture. It's all about getting uh, going viral. Be bet wrestling fans. Be better, please. Now we're starting the news on a sad note. We're going to continue that sad note. Uh, Dynamite Kid passed away this week on his yeah. exact 60th birthday. Now, of course, I don't have to tell you guys, but he's best remembered as one half of the British Bulldogs, alongside the late great David Boy Smith. Now, he's regarded as one of the best in-ring performers of all time, and actually a pioneer of the junior heavyweight division, combining high-flying style with you know, you know that pure technical wrestling we know from the Calgary Dungeon. So, uh, you know, rest in peace to him. Yeah, Dynamite Kid. I mean, of course, everybody remembers um, him. Most modern-day fans remember him as kind of the older, bitter you know, embattled, uh, you know, he was in a wheelchair due to many of the uh, bodily injuries that, of course, you know, he suffered due to his abuse of steroids. But, you know, when you sit back and you realize what it took to make it in that era, and if you listen to what Dynamite Kid had to say, he said, listen, if you wanted to make it, you had to look a certain way. And for me to look that way and for me to really, you know, do what I was able to do, I had to do certain things to my body that he wished he hadn't had to do, but he did. But the man was great. The man was iconic. And it's, it's sad, Michael J. Putty, when you realize that Bret Hart is really the last remaining remnant of all of that. I mean, obviously, yeah. the Dynamite Kid, not a member of the Hart Foundation, but having teamed with the British Bulldog prior to the British Bulldog becoming a member of the Hart Foundation, you know, just kind of that, that, that connection there. It, it's really sad when you think Owen's gone, Pillman's gone, Davey, Jim Anvil, and now Dynamite Kid. But... When you were growing up, especially in the 80s and the 90s in professional wrestling, the Hart name or some connection to the Hart family was every... The Hearts were, to 80s and 90s wrestling, what the Samoan dynasty is to nowadays wrestling. Oh, great analogy. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it seems like everybody nowadays is somehow created to the, uh, connected to the wild Samoans in some way. You know, or to the Polynesian Islands. Back then, it was just like, you know, you had you had the hearts themselves. You had the bulldog. You had Pillman. You had the man who must not be named anymore, who trained in the, in the, in the Calgary Dungeon. And you have countless other professional wrestlers who went to train at the Dungeon, including the current IWGP Intercontinental Champion, Chris Jericho. Well, speaking of a big loss in the wrestling world, just one day after the Dynamite Kid passed away, Larry the Axe Henning passed away at the age of 82. Now, as of this recording, there's no reports of why he passed away yet. We'll keep you updated on that. But his grandson, Curtis Axel, took to Twitter. Beautiful tribute. And I quote, 82 years old, five kids, 28 grandkids. No one has a bigger impact on my wrestling career than my Papa Axe. He's my biggest supporter since day one. Another father when I lost mine. The Hennings have always held our heads high. We'll continue to do so, so rest assured, the heading name will live on forever. Do you agree with that statement? Um, Because only Curtis Axel now, and he's not doing anything. Yeah, um, I've I've never liked the fact that uh, on WWE television, they go out of their way to, you know, say, oh, this is the grandson of Larry the Axe Henning and the son of Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, but his name is Curtis Axel. Like, I never found that um, to to be good. Uh, I understand. I know that at one point Curtis Axel said that he wanted to carve out his own legacy. But yeah, at but the end of the day, the fact that he you're was the son of Mr. Perfect. The fact that he was introduced as Mike McGillicuddy. Yeah. Then when he quote unquote became the, the Paul Heyman guy, he explained why he's picking his name. Curtis for his father, Axel for his grandfather. That made sense. Yeah. 
but why not just give him the Henning name going <coughs> forward? Yeah, no, I, I would. Same thing with the um, uh, Shaw Guerrero. Her in NXT, her name was not even Guerrero. No, they love tradition. They love family. Why not connect family and tradition? Money. You can't mar- uh, You can't own the name. That's true. They can't own the name. They can't own the Henning name. And so, at the end of the day, you know, uh, at the end of the day, they're thinking like a business. Uh, and but if you think like a oh, business, if you're thinking like a business, and you want to call Curtis Axel Henning, does that mean you're all Already given up, saying we don't want to bill him as a Henning in case he goes somewhere else. Because um, John Cena, no problem. Randy Orton, no problem. Why not Henning? I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, no I can't answer that. Problem. I mean, that's a problem. No one yeah, knows. I, I, I can't answer that. Uh, you know, I, I wish he was a Henning. Yeah. The same way, the same way. I wish there were other people who came on TV with the last names that they should have. You know, but it is what it is. You know, it was tough. I, I've always said that if there's um. One person that I, I've always felt uh, never got a fair shake in professional wrestling for as talented as he was, it was uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. And uh, the funny thing is to see just how great Curtis Axel is. I mean, you always hear about all these, uh, like when The Rock was training for his comeback to the WWE, yeah, when exactly. Chris Jericho when Chris Jericho had to train, when Brock Lesnar had to get some training in. Where'd they go? They went down and they worked with Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel. I mean, that tells, you, that tells you something about the kid, right? Yeah. You know, but I, I do hope that they, uh, you know, they, they, they let the kid, you know, I, in a sad way, I hope that this ends up being a bright spot for him in terms of him getting some kind of extended run. But, you know, and I'm sad. And, and if it does happen, it's sad that this is the reason why it has to happen because of this. So our condolences go out to Diamond Kid, Larry the Axe, Henning, their families, their friends, and their fans. But in other news, we talked about for the last couple of weeks, Alexa Bliss, you know, she's, Multiple concussions over the last couple of weeks, months actually. Talk about last week how she's been reported to uh, the performance center to return to in ring action. Mark Henry told us an update that she has been cleared, saying, and I quote, she came back too soon and was in a bad place, but she is fine and has been cleared. You know, well, however, she has not been fully cleared yet. Dave Melter notes she has been cleared for limited physical activity. You know, they don't want to fuck around with concussions now, so. I don't think they're rushing like a bliss in ring anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I you know they're not messing around with it. You see what they did with Becky Lynch. You've seen what they've done with other people. I mean, hell, they made freaking Daniel Bryan retire for you know a couple of years because of repeated concussions and other things. So they're really not going to mess with it. And I know they have a great relationship with Chris Nowinski, formerly of Tough Enough fame. He's a very close WWE. So they're not gonna they're they're not gonna play around with it. Fair uh, and to be honest with you, you can't argue that. To be fi- right, to be honest with you, I'd rather them not because it's bad enough. The wrestlers, as professional wrestlers, they don't get time off. There's no off season. So rest up, come back at a hundred percent, and don't rush it. I think the problem is a lot of these professional wrestlers are super duper scared that the longer you stay off TV, the long there's there's an ad, there's an old saying in wrestling. When you're not around, they forget about you. And so the idea is if you're not on TV, if you're not being used, they forget about you real quickly. And they move on to the next thing. Which is a plus why they're using her as a quote-unquote authority figure. They want her to keep her relevant. They want to keep her on TV instead of just forgetting about her. Yeah. Yep. But we'll give you up to that. I mean, hopefully she comes back sooner rather than later because I love Alexa Bliss. To be honest with you, I'm a fan. I'd like for her to be back soon. But to be honest with you, 
I'd like for her to be out a while. You want to know why? Because the women's division on Monday Night Raw could use some revitalization. And if Alexa Bliss comes back, it's just going to be the continued cycle of Alexa and Ronda and Nia and the same people all the time. And I'd like to see Sasha Banks get some burn on Monday Night Raw. I'd like to see Bailey get some burn on Monday Night Raw. I'd like to see Dana Brooke get some. I'd like to see a lot of these women get some real, real ring time, real burn and exposure on WWE television. You have one of the, some of the most talented women in the world on your roster. You have three hours of television. Why must every single segment be about Alexa, Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax, and that's it? Great point. I'm sorry, putty, but we're getting near December 23rd, so I'm, I'm in the festivist spirit a little early. I've got some problems with these people, and you're going to hear about <laughs> See, I love you for your Seinfeld references alone. <laughs> you mentioned him earlier in all the news. Jack Swagger's MMA debut has been confirmed by Bellator at Bellator 214 on January 26th in California. He will face J.W. Kaiser. Kaiser has a 1-3 and three record. However, some MMA sites have him as listed as 0-1, which I don't know how that works. Are you looking forward to Jack Swagger's MMA debut? Uh, I am. Uh, mostly just to hope that he breaks the cycle of uh, professional wrestlers getting into MMA as a secondary career and not doing so well at UCM Punk. But Yeah, CM Punk is it. I mean, Bobby Lashley maybe, but Brock Lesnar kind of broke a mold there. Right, but Brock, see, here's the thing. Brock had a background for it. Brock was an amateur wrestler in the NCAA, a NCAA champion, Greco-Roman amateur wrestling in college. So there's a background for it. He can go into MMA. He already has a grappling background. He already has a ground game background. And now you just build in other things around it. CM Punk did not have that. Even with his martial arts training, whatever it was, it wasn't enough. You know, um, Bobby Lashley as well has, you know, training from the United States military you know, that helps him with getting into it. But he's also trained for years to get into MMA. You know, so I, I really do wish Jack Swagger the best. I know that he was a collegiate wrestler as well. So that's going to help him. Uh, the The competition at Bellator is not as stiff as the UFC. So I, I, I do think he has an advantage there. But I wish him the best. Now, Pete, sit back, relax, enjoy yourself. Let me take the next couple of bits for myself. In other news, the XF held a press conference this week to announce the host cities and venues for the relaunch of the XFL in 2020. The cities are New York City as a team. However, it's in East Rutherford, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. Dallas, Texas has Global Life Park Stadium. Houston, Texas has TDECU Stadium. Don't know what that means. Never heard of that before. LA has the StubHub Center. St. Louis has the Dome at America Center. Seattle has Century Lake Stadium. Tampa has Raymond James Stadium, and Washington, D.C. has Audi Field. Now I'm talking to the wrong member of BCW commentary because A.J. Penn's a big XFL fan, but do you have any comments on the eight cities for the XFL? Um, I wish the XFL all the best in their future endeavors. That's not really positive. You're going to be positive. I, I think it, no, I am being positive. I wish them all the best in their future endeavors, their future endeavors being they're looking forward to playing in the next year and getting everything started. Listen. You have the NFL. The NFL is the NFL. The XFL came about when it did. Originally, it failed. 
Uh, I'd, I'd be happy to see it. But there's be, reason why it failed. Right, and I'd be happy to see it be successful again. And then there's now this new football league that's going to be coming out as well. Um, there's still arena football, which is actually still out there. There's lingerie football. There's all this stuff. Listen, I think Vince McMahon's a visionary. It's great. I wish the XFL all the best in his future endeavors. Hope they're positive. Surprise, Texas has two teams, though, but this is what it is. So we've talked about for a while and how Raw sucks. Raw has been boring. There's nothing going on with Raw. Now, finally, we have a reason why. Because Vince McMahon has been rewriting Raw last minute. He Not sh- surprised. He showed up as Raw last week in Texas. Three hours before the show started because he wanted to visit his mother. Side note, surprise, his mother's still alive. Surprise, she's living in Texas. He rewrote the show to give it a more positive, happy vibe due to the death of former President George H.W. Bush. And he wanted the fans to go home happy. Was that a right move? Raw was still boring, so I don't know. Yeah, the baby faces went over on every hour of that show. Do you think the fans in attendance were thinking, like, I'm sad, Bush died, I want to go home happy? I don't think that <laughs> there's a disconnect there. No, I, I think I don't think the fans were thinking that at all. I, I. I'm not, that's not to say that the fans, that there weren't probably fans there who were sad that uh, the former President Bush had passed away, but I don't think that's what they were there thinking about. And I don't think that it mattered that all the baby faces went over because it was still the same boring cycle of crap. That's the problem. It's not the wrestlers. It's the crap. We, we can go on on about that. Let's move on real quick. But we're not. Yeah. Dave Belters <laughs> noted that WWE is considering a Queen of the Ring tournament following the success of Evolution. I mean, that makes sense, right? I like the idea. WWE hasn't exactly been successful with King of the Ring for a long while. But so, they used uh, to be, though. They used to be very successful yeah, with they it. they used to be. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at you, Austin316. But I don't know if the, the name of the event is in name only or if it's actually going to be a Queen of the Ring tournament. Let's just say I hope it's better than Evolution because while Evolution was good for certain things, Evolution was kind of a letdown. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there were certain good high points. But I think across the board, it wasn't. It could have been better. I feel like a lot of the women on... Put it to you like this. If I'm going to watch an evolution, I want to see something like a WrestleCade. I don't want to see storylines bleed into this special pay-per-view. If it's supposed to be a storyline pay-per-view, like, hey, we have three weeks till TLC. Great. If it's this special, oh, all-women's pay-per-view, give me some star-studded matches, why don't you? You're telling me you couldn't find something better for Asuka to do than to be in a battle royal? You're telling me you couldn't better for Nia Jax to do than to be in a battle royal? Come on. And finally, in other news, Brian Cage proposed to Melissa Santos this week at Bar Wrestling. I know you were very upset about that. Kind of broke my heart. Yeah, I was uh, crushed. They've been together for years now. They have a kid together, so it makes sense. I thought they were married already, so... Was it too heartbreaking? But you know, I'm happy for them, and I wish them all the best. Did you watch Raw and SmackDown Impact this week? Uh, unfortunately, I watched Raw. I did watch SmackDown. I did catch pieces of Impact. I did. So let's get into some cheers and heels. A shot of wrestling presents here and here. 
let's unfortunately start with Raw. I don't have too much for Raw. I like the fact that they start with a tribute to uh, George Bush. I mean, only cheers for Raw I have is that there was so much Charlie Caruso. She was multiple times for the three hours. I loved it. My girl Charlie Arnold from ESPN. Do you think you're Raw? I have one thing about Raw, and I'm very upset at it. Monday Night Raw, can we please, for the love of all that is holy, stop burying the goddamn revival? Preach. Like, seriously? I mean, I listen, only one, well, two, that can bury the revival, and that's the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. But at least they do it in fun. You know what I mean? But no, on Monday Night Raw, you have the revival consistently, week in and week out, losing matches, getting embarrassed. Let me tell you something, WWE. You may not believe me, but understand when I tell you that if the revival, not, not if, when the revival leave the WWE, when their contracts are and they go onto the independent scene, understand that if either Ring of Honor or New Japan Pro Wrestling get a hold of them, they are going to make you look like fools. That is all. So my heel for the last couple of weeks I talked about last week is the fact how it's very awkward when Michael Cole and Corey Graves throw to Renee Young after a Dean Ambrose promo. However, I, I like this week Dean Ambrose promo with the gas masks, the, uh, the sirens, the new attitude, the new gimmick. Very Bane from the uh, Dark Knight Rises. But it was very heel because it was very, very awkward interaction between Renee Young and Corey Graves. Renee said, and I quote, I don't know what you want me to say. How can I say any more than what I just told you? How dare you? All right, great. I don't need this every week. It's very awkward. Yeah, um, Taz mentioned it on his podcast as well. Either don't have her out there when Dean is crap or have her go full heel and cheer on her man. But... Don't put her in that awkward situation to try and why my real life husband, who everyone knows I'm involved with, is out here playing this sadistic, crazy character, and I have to go home with. But when Dean started, she didn't say anything. She was quiet. No, so Corey Graves. No, Corey Graves isn't asking her questions. The producers in the back are asking her questions to try and get under her skin and needle her. That's sure. what's happening. Let's go to the far better show, SmackDown. Hashtag SmackDown saves lives. Love it. SmackDown does save lives. They're going to cheer Sonya Deville and Manny Rose. I'm very impressed with these girls. I love these women since day one in uh, Tough Enough. And every time I see them, they get better and better in the ring and on the mic. I'm looking forward to their future. They're great. My biggest cheer for SmackDown is I love what they're doing with Daniel Bryan. Yes. I really do. And in a way, I also love what they're doing with The Miz. Okay. Way almost turning The Miz into a sympathetic character. But I like what they're doing with Daniel Bryan and his heel character. I'd like to see how it translates to him in the ring. Because really, we've only seen Daniel Bryan in the ring at uh, the night that he won the WWE Championship from AJ Styles on SmackDown. And then mm -hmm. against Brock Lesnar. So I, I do want to see how this new heel Daniel Bryan changes his repertoire in the ring. And I hope it's a big pipe dream, Michael J. Putty. I hope just once we'll get to see the cattle mutilation. Which is? Uh, his former submission move. He's only used it once in WWE television, and it was actually in a match against The Miz for like 10 seconds. He used it, but it's his old uh, submission move called the uh, cattle mutilation. Great, great move. I love what he did here in this promo. Last week, he, maybe two weeks ago, he cut the promo about the Yes movement's dead. Yep. So, so why are the Yes plates still on your title belt? So I, I love the fact that he... Acknowledge the fact that he got rid of them. I thought that was great as well. And plus, a big cheer for me was him calling the fans sheep. 
Because I hate when the people are cutting a promo, much like Sonya Deville and Manny Rhodes in the beginning of SmackDown, they start with that what chant. Daniel Bryan said, and I quote, they were setting something stupid from 20 years ago, but they, they can't help themselves. Yeah, they can't help themselves from saying what for some stupid reason. Great shutdown from Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan has completely won me over in this promo at all. It was great. Yeah, Daniel Bryan's always been great on the mic. Plus, the Miz taking credit for Daniel Bryan being the new Daniel Bryan, even better. Fantastic promo. Again, I love Bring what in. they're doing with that whole thing. Yeah, it was great. I do love what they're doing with that whole thing. My uh, my heel for SmackDown. Oh, okay. Oh, look, I got it right. Thank you. Thank you. About time. <laughs> my heel for year, SmackDown. But... My heel for SmackDown um, is can they figure out what they want to do with Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev? I mean, not not necessarily together in their current storyline, but just as characters. Like, can we figure this out, please? Because both of these men are legitimate main event talents, and they're being wasted. A lot of people are being wasted on WWE, though. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a trend. Yeah. You know? But we'll see what happens. At least Nakamura is getting a feud. Stuff he's been missing for, like, the last like, four months. Hey, you know, um, I, I still, <laughs> as much as uh, Daniel Bryan's new persona is uh, very much a cheer for me, I still feel bad for Nakamura. Yeah, Nakamura spent about, what, four or five months hitting AJ Styles in the nuts? Yeah. And it wasn't effective. Daniel Bryan did it once. Uh, uh, true. And got the and got the world title. True. Great. So, Great point. By, by the transitive property, we're saying that Daniel Bryan hits people in the nuts more effectively than Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't want to find out, though. <laughs> Me and the cheers that great PSA from Samoa Joe. Great job. Great promo. Very effective. Overall, SmackDown was a much better show this week than Raw, as usual. Why? Because... SmackDown saves lives. Thank you very much, Michael J. Putty. Let's go for Impact. you watch Impact? I did catch some of Impact. In my opinion, the best co- wrestling content on cable television right now. Oh, hands down. I marked out big time because I saw my cable box was recording something Thursday night at 10 o'clock. Like, all right, let me see what's up. It's recording Impractical Jokers and Impact Wrestling. I'm like, all right, I canceled Impact. Why is it still recording it? Lo and behold, I'm watching Impact on my TV because I have now the Pop Network. Okay, so I'm not watching it on my phone anymore. Big problem for me because I hate watching TV on my phone. So I watched a full Impact on the big screen in my apartment. Love seeing Allie finally on the big, big screen. Love Dark Allie. She's the best thing going on in Impact right now, in my opinion. Your thoughts on Allie? The dark Allie, I should say? I like it. It's interesting. I've seen Allie work as a heel before, before going to TNA Impact Wrestling, when she used to wrestle on the independent scene as Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb, yeah, that was the name. Um, so, I, I, you know, her heel work is very, very great. I'm very interested. I'm also interested to see how Rosemary fits into Rosemary eventually comes back from her injury. You would think, right? Yeah, I'm very interested to see how Rosemary is going to play into this when Rosemary does come back from her injury, especially because um, they have marketed Rosemary and Allie very much together as Demon Bunny. Yes. You know, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to kind of just piggyback on your uh, cheer for a minute in saying that I, I like the fact that we're seeing these types of names on Impact Wrestling. The Sue Youngs, you're seeing the Tessa Blanchers, the Alleys, the Get the exposure and the time to do things. And that is to people like the Rascals, uh, Trey Miguel, Zachary Wentz, Desmond Xavier, LAX, Santana and Ortiz, you know. E-Li Drake. Eli Drake, 
even going so far as like Kevin Matthews and Falaba, like I, I like the fact that Impact gives us so many fresh faces and so much new new stuff. I really like what they're doing with Tessa Blanchard's character. Yes. Um, I think they're going in the exact right direction with Tessa Blanchard's character. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how Jordan Grace fits into the knockouts division moving oh, forward. Love Jordan Grace, yeah. Now, my biggest cheer for Impact Wrestling is their usage of multiple talent across the entirety of their program. Okay. Really positioning a lot of people in different places. Uh, it's not the same matches every single show. Not um, the same storylines every single show, yeah. Right, but I'm scared. To be very honest, I'm scared. About? Because Impact's history is they have good stretches, True. and then they have a bad. And right now we're in a really good stretch. Very good and stretch, the yeah. part, and, and, I'm, and I'm very fearful that the bump is coming. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hope not. And I hope not. Right, I hope not. But Impact... Uh, has that has has that uh, track record, and I hope that that doesn't become the uh, the the case. But it was great how Eddie Edwards is still locked in the psych ward, and yet he met Raven, who randomly was in the same psych ward, and he's helped him escape, or is helping him escape. He gave him some sort of key card. We're not sure if it, Eddie Edwards is escaping. We'll find out next week on Impact. But great to see Raven in a great role on uh, Impact. Yeah, I've noticed. I've gone back to Raven. I know that uh, you know Tommy Dreamer has made some appearances. The uh, ECW still alive and well. I, I am very interested, though. I believe it's Slammiversary. We'll be at the Asylum in Nashville, Tennessee. Homecoming. The original home. Homecoming. The, oh, homecoming. Sorry. Yeah. The original home of TNA Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the Asylum in Nashville. Uh, I that there are some throwbacks to to the old Asylum days. I hope they bring some people back. You know, not too long ago, something popped on my Facebook feed, uh, a throwback to Elix Skipper, prime time Elix Skipper in one of the six sides of steel cage match doing an insane move where he actually walked across the top of a cave. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, that, and that happened in the impact zone, not in Nashville, Tennessee. But I do hope that this homecoming has a couple of appearances Buy some TNA originals. Only time will tell, but if you're not watching Impact, Impact, the far better show on TV right now. Yeah, and it's been a long time since we could say that, buddy. But let's see how the ratings were. Raw this week drew a 2.285 million, which is down 3.5% from last week's 2.369. This is the lowest Raw viewership in history. Raw was number nine for the night in cable for the second week in a row behind... Monday Night Football, the kickoff show, SportsCenter, and Fox News. Raw was number four on the night in the 18 to 49 demographic behind NFL, SportsCenter, and the kickoff show. SmackDown this week drew a 1.948 million, which is down 14% from last week's 2.264 million. SmackDown was number 10 in the night in viewership behind the curse of Oak Island and Fox News. SmackDown was number three in the 18 to 49 demographic behind Oak Island and Below Deck. Impact. Drew 116,000, which is down 5% from last week's 122,000. This week's impact ranked 150 on the cable top 150. Last week failed to rank in the top 150 at all. Those are your ratings this week. Do you care about ratings at all anymore? No, because I think with all the different mediums in which people watch content now, ratings are kind of an, 
a very archaic way of looking at things. I mean, I sometimes are not am not watching Monday Night Raw live or SmackDown live or Impact live. I'm usually DVRing it exactly. and then watching it, watching it when I watch it. Uh, most times, I'm forwarding through stuff or yep. things like that. So I, I think ratings are kind of hard. It's a little different. We're not the same society that we all sit around the television on a Thursday night and watch something at eight o'clock. Exactly. But we'll see what happens going forward. Let's get some go-home thoughts. This week is our last show for two weeks, but the last weekend of December, we'll be back for our third annual year-end awards. Myself, Green Man, Mark Schwann, and our current guest, Pete Rosado, will be back to talk about the year that was 2018 in professional wrestling. Pete, you'll be there, right? Pete, all right. We lost our connection with Pete for some weird reason. In those two weeks, we'll miss TLC, Elias versus Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre, Natalia versus Ruby Riot in a tables match, Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in a TLC match. If Strowman wins, he'll get a match at Royal Rumble against Brock Lesnar. And if Baron Corbin wins, he becomes full-time permanent general manager of Raw. Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose for the IC title. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship. The Bar, The New Day, The Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, which is, might be the match of the night. Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Asuka in a TLC match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And your main event, Dana Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. That's my main event. That's my rundown. I hope to God that Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman is not your main event. Talked about a couple weeks ago, they don't like AJ Styles being in the main event because he steals the show. So he's placed in the mid-card. So I can see Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles in the mid-card. However, you have a TLC match. The TLC match should be the main event. So Becky Lynch should main event this pay-per-view. Swear to God, if any Raw match main events this show, I'm going to be pissed. And you can follow me at Putty on social medias to hear my reaction to it. But I keep trying to get Pete Rosado back. but uh, Mr. Michael J. Putty. Pete, welcome back. In your absence, we covered the uh, TLC card. In your opinion, what should be the main event here? Do you really really need me to answer that question? Unfortunately, I do, yeah. There's really only one main event at TLC, and that main event should be the the match that involves the man. Only the man should be in the main event, and Becky Lynch is the man. See, I agree. I just have a weird feeling that the main event will be Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman here. Probably will, but... If the rumors are true that Braun Strowman will not be cleared to compete at TLC and that they're going to change this into some smorgasbord BS match, then it should not be the main event because the main event should be the man, Becky Lynch, in a triple threat TLC match and with everything surrounding Becky Lynch. Because one thing is far and away true about the WWE. The best thing the WWE has going for them right now is the one thing they didn't create, Becky freaking Lynch. Plus, hands down, you have a TLC pay-per-view. Shouldn't a TLC match main event it? Exactly. Now, I've got a lot of positive feedback on my commentary debut. Do you feel threatened at all? Um, I'm not coming for your job, bro. I, I, you, you're the voice of BCW, but I got, you know, I'm getting a lot of compliments. Michael J. Putty, I, I heard from your commentary debut with Green Man. And um, from an experienced professional, here it is to you, Mister Putty. Okay, you did well. I was very impressed. Okay. Um, Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I was very happy with the debut of you and Green Man as a team. 
as commentary for NEW. Um, I'm just going to tell you, man, it's, it's going to take a lot of practice. You're, you have, you and Green Man both have very latent talent and obviously doing such a great job at a shot of wrestling. You see that there. The storytelling comes with time. The ability to tell that story and, and produce that story for those fans that are listening and not being able to see what's there live or those fans who are watching and not being in the building but are watching the product through a stream or something like that. It's going to come with time. You're going to get better. Michael J. Putty, I can honestly say, if you keep at it, man, I can see you going places, man. You and Green Man both oh, take to this stuff like, like fish to water, man. Big words. Um, but for a first-time gig, man, I can tell you, my first time doing commentary, I was a nervous wreck. Yeah. And I, I told you this story in private, and I'll say it publicly. The first night I did professional wrestling commentary, I lost my voice before the main event had started. One of your uh, advices I kept written down in front of me to make sure I don't do that. Yeah, you, you really got to keep your voice really leveled, uh, and you got to know when to really go for it. Listen, I don't know how Mauro Ronaldo does it, uh, but I simply <laughs> can't. You know, and I, I think you guys did a great job. You know, and it comes with time, man. Uh, I, do, I do hope some more opportunities come your way. I know up here in the Northeast it gets kind of tough, but listen, if you're dedicated and if you're about this life, man, do the drives. Do the drives. And we will. Pete, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. I actually changed my Twitter handle just because Michael J. Putty said that my old Twitter handle was way too obnoxious for people to actually spell and find. Never get tired of hearing that. So you can actually find me at Twitter at Pete Rosado 87 on Facebook as at Peter Rosado, but more importantly, find us at BCW Wrestling on Facebook, BCW Wrestling on Instagram, and free BCW Wrestling on Twitter. Awesome. So, Pete, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me back. Look forward to having you back at the end of December for our end of the year award show, our third annual year end award show. And we'll see you then. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. So, until then. For the Green Man, for Homicide, for Pete Rosado, I've been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until then, Putty out. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>